It's that time of the year again when we celebrate family, loved ones, food, the end of the year, and hopefully count all of our blessings. It's Christmas. And wherever you may be listening to the show, at least the thought of a Christmas tree, most likely, will have occurred for you. Millions of trees are being cut right now and then a couple of weeks later thrown away. It's a huge loss and it is actually so massive that it has an impact on our global climate, as we will learn today. But fret not, ho ho ho, there is a real alternative. Living Christmas tree rentals, carbon-friendly holidays. That's not a joke, that is our focus in this hour of an organic conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm excited to be speaking with a gentleman today who was on this show some five years ago with a radical idea. What if we made our Christmas tree part of the family? What if we could use it for those three to four weeks at the end of each year, decorate it, love it, and then return it to the forest for the next 11 months again until Christmas comes around once more? Out of a heartbreak seeing literally tens of millions of trees being cut and then thrown away just a few weeks later, rotting on the side of the road, he conceptualized an alternative. Living Christmas tree rentals. Carbon-friendly holidays. And carbon-friendly they are, indeed, to an amazing degree. So considering a Christmas tree rental this holiday is perhaps one important and certainly one of the last acts of this year to make a contribution to address global climate change. You think one tree won't make a difference? Well, today we'll learn that it does. Living Christmas tree rentals, carbon-friendly holidays, that and more is coming up here in just a minute on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. And this show is brought to you by Batiste Rum, the first eco-positive rum of the Caribbean. Ask for Batiste Rum at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and other fine retailers. More information, batisterum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M dot com. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. Our focus in this hour of an organic conversation is living Christmas tree rentals. Yes, living Christmas tree rentals, carbon-friendly holidays, all that and more coming up in just a minute. Stay tuned.
And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Hilberg. Our topic in this hour is how to rent a Christmas tree, living Christmas tree rentals, carbon-friendly holidays. We'll learn all about an amazing company in Los Angeles who has made the amazing waste of millions of Christmas trees every winter their business model and is offering an alternative. Just to rethink our approach to Christmas trees, And with me now is Scott, Scotty Klaus Martin, the founder and jolly old soul of the Living Christmas Company, who's joining me today from Los Angeles. Scott, do we have you on the line? I'm right here. Yep. <laughs> uh, thanks for making the time. I know if there was any time that was busy, it's this one right now, just a f few weeks before Christmas. You were on the show actually in 2011, I believe, when the idea was pretty new still. You were around for maybe a couple of years, but still working out all the, the, the kinks and establishing yourself as a true Christmas tree alternative. Tell our listeners, what exactly do you offer? So we, um, we rent living Christmas trees. So that means they come with their, the soil, the roots in a pot. What we do is we rent that to families. So I have elves that deliver it to your home and after Christmas, pick it back up again. Additionally, we also offer an adoption program. And so if you get attached to your tree, we can bring that same tree back to you and uh, it's able to grow with your family. And so it's in a, obviously in a pot with soil. And when you pick it up again, where does it stay? Where does it be on vacation for the remaining 11 months until you pick it again? Yeah, so we have a partnership with the local nursery. So they go back and uh, we rent land from them. And so they, they stay local, kind of, and we have a central location and, uh, and uh, able to deliver trees out of there. And that you plant them back into the soil, or is that too disruptive? They stay in their pot, yeah, basically. They, they go in the same pot, um, more or less, and then you know, they need to, we'll shift them into larger pots. And that way we're able to keep them. If, transplanting them is a, is a shock factor. And, you know, right, of, of course, yeah. yeah. So when, when people rent something from you, do they actually get the exact same tree? Is this uh, coded somehow and that tree becomes part of your family or do you get a tree like that? Um, yeah, so what we do is we offer our adoption program and so you can mark your tree and so we'll hold that into sort of an, our adoption uh, area for you. And then you get the option, you know, when Christmas comes around again, you know, depending upon the health of your tree and how nice it is, because, you know, it can still be living and it might have turned into a pine tree versus a Christmas tree. So if it doesn't have that classic conical shape and as full as it was a year before, we give our customers the option, do you want Fred back or maybe Frederica is a better choice? Um, and what's amazing is sometimes they'll still choose Fred, even if Fred's leaning a little bit or has a bald spot. And so we have customers that have gotten the same tree six, seven years in a row. So that tree is now part of the family in a way, right? Oh, yeah. They, then they'll throw parties for it. There'll be balloons and, you know, <laughs> um, people who are really passionate about their Christmas. That's amazing. And, um, and, and circumstances change, right? If people move into smaller apartments or whatever, uh, it, they might not be able to have the exact same tree. But there is a connection that you are allowing and making. And it sounds like it's, it has really caught on. And some people are very, very fond of the idea and have... Uh, have become a, an ongoing customer. We had you on the show again five years ago when it was fairly new. What has happened now, looking back for a moment, taking a breath, and where are you now? How have people taken to it? Yeah, so w one fun thing that occurred um, in 2012 is we were asked to be on the show Shark Tank. Um, not sure if you're listening yeah. familiar with, with uh, you know, 
And um, so we presented it, and it was, I was nervous at first because we, we don't have a traditional business model. And Shark um, Tank is a, is a reality show where you look for an investment based on a cool idea, Yeah, right? so you, you sort of pitch your idea to these five, you know, yeah. multi-millionaire, business, business sharks yeah. that either eat you or invest in your company, and sometimes both. And so I was nervous in going on it because we don't have a traditional business model. We do it a lot for sort of part of the environment, for the social aspects of you know, the veterans and the, you know, the people that we hire. And so I was nervous about going on a show like that and getting torn apart. But sure. in the end, yeah, Mark, Mark Cuban uh, decided to invest in us. And so we were able to sort of get sort of a, a na more of a national uh, notoriety for it. And speaking of national no notoriety, you serve all the Los Angeles, wider Los Angeles area and San Diego And you are now starting with satellite offices, right? If people hear this, where do you, uh, where does your company really service right now? Yeah, so we're um, we have a satellite uh, spot up in uh, Marin County, and we've just uh, signed on Whole Foods Market up there, up up in the Bay Area. So hoping to spread sort of organically up there as well. And sort of, I, I've chosen to keep you know relatively small. You know, it's a, it's Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego down here. Keep it manageable and. So I keep an eye on, you know, how do I run this business, make a lot of people really happy, but still be able to celebrate Christmas myself. Right. And with that investment and national notoriety, do you have requests to come to other cities or are you are you basically leasing out the model as a franchise to be adopted by other cities? Yeah, um, we I, I, we haven't we haven't embarked on that yet. Part of the reason why is, is, is in California to franchise, you, you need to show a, uh, a profit is, is part of the one things that they, you know, It's really important for doing a franchise here. And um, whereas we are profitable, it's, it's not the driver of the business. And so, you know, I could see a scenario where there's somebody really passionate about wanting to do it and, and giving them the tools to create that in a, um, in a different area. And, and certainly you can imagine, you know, if you're on something like Shark Tank, that we've got dozens of requests from all around the nation. Uh, our focus has been doing what we do really well here for the moment. And, sure. you know, sure, if we have you know, several years in our belt where we're, we're comfortably making money and we feel comfortable with the model that I would then uh, and look to, to look to expand. Yes. Our topic in this hour of an organic conversation is living Christmas tree rentals, carbon-friendly holidays. We're speaking with the founder of the Living Christmas Company. That's livingchristmas.com, Scott Martin, also known as Scotty Claus. Scott, give us the backdrop of how this came up. I remember the numbers from when we had you on the show last five years ago. I'm sure they have not gotten much better. You're addressing pretty mind-boggling environmental statistics. That little Christmas tree times 350 million households or 320 million households just in the U.S. Can you give us a framework of what happens each Christmas in regard to those numbers? Yeah, so there's two that are kind of disturbing. On one level, you do have you have 25 to 30 million Christmas trees that are cut down every year. But what's also disturbing and growing, and, and you'll see it when you go into the Home Depots and the Costcos, is the artificial tree movement. And there's something like that the number of, of artificial trees out there could fill like 10 football stadiums. And what's concerning about that is, you know, is, is, is where you might use it for six years and you think it's environmental on some level, that tree doesn't go anywhere. And it looks pretty much the same as it did the day you got it. And so the amount of, of waste being pumped into the system for artificial trees 
um, is also concerning as much as, you know, even sure. cutting down of live trees. And so we were trying to sort of address both of those issues by providing an alternative. And what's the carbon impact of, of the cut of Christmas trees? How many trees are being cut actually for Christmas and then die on the side of the road three, yeah. three weeks later? I don't know. You, you have two factors, and I wouldn't know how to exactly factor both of those, <laughs> but you also have that those trees are shipped primarily from Oregon, Washington, all over the country. Um, so you have two different carbon footprints in this case. You have mm -hmm. both the, the tree that's no longer absorbing the carbon in that case uh, and the impact that it has. Distribution. You know, distribution. The other impact that isn't spoken about, you know, so the, the trees are farmed, um, with the, but you're also creating monocultures in these hillsides that used to be biodiverse and, and have lots of different things growing in them. You've now just introduced one type of pine tree, and so one type of nutrients being pulled from that soil, which is, is not the best for the environment. 30 million trees are being cut and then, you know, discarded three weeks later. Right, um, and then you, have the, you have, then you have to collect them again, right? And, and, and most of them, to be fair, are used in recycle programs, and recycle, but that's another expenditure of, of resources to, to do that as well. Yeah. As with Christmas, the, the time of love and count your blessings and thinking of the environment and just a, a, a time usually more in gratitude You touched on that in the beginning. Trees with your program become a member of of your family. And do you have some stories now, being several years into this business, that surprised you of how attached people get? Yeah, well, one of the fun ones, and, and I, I guess I could have, have, have seen this um, coming, but one of my <laughs> customers shared with me that her, her daughter, who's now you know five years old, and speaking, you know, they're they're driving along, and she points at the car next to and goes, "Mom, what's that?" And she goes, what do, you, what do you mean? And she realizes that what she's talking about is the cut tree on top of somebody's car. And to this five-year-old, that looks ridiculous, right? Because why would you ever cut down a tree to bring it into your house? Because since she was born, all, the only story this, this child's ever known is having a living tree in her house. And so I thought that was a great story of, of how we can change perceptions, right? It only makes sense to adults that we would cut down a tree and bring it in your house for two to three weeks. And to a child, it actually makes way more sense to have something living that uh, to be that symbol. Do people have people caught on to that? Like, what's your what's your business success, or what is what are the numbers that you're seeing where where programs like Shark Tank, you know, uh, show the interest uh, and your customer base, and there's now a, a repetitiveness of several years where people do get attached. How has that affected your business? Not so much from a from a financial perspective but really from a from a success of the idea yeah so what i would say is it it we again one of our focuses is, is to sort of stay small and we we sell out every year we do about 1500 trees uh every year and and we provide the service sort of as an alternative i've not raised prices to where it's only sort of an, an elite thing to do and we keep it on a community level the one thing i found is that it in conversation it's no longer something absurd um, that's become more of a household name, you know, some household thing. You say, well, I rent a Christmas tree, and they go, oh, I've heard of that. Um, and so it's not an idea that I'm, you know, when I first started, people would just sort of snicker and, and say, what do you mean by that? And now, at least in Southern California, it's become more of an acceptable thing. Um, and, uh, and so I, I see the market sort of adapting and, and being more open to it. Yeah, so you touched on price, uh, and you have been able to keep the prices 
affordable or accessible. Christmas trees are not the cheapest thing that we throw away. It's amazing how how easily we are willing to spend, you know, I don't know, 100 bucks for a, a, a nice Christmas tree cut and then just three weeks later throw it out on the street because it did its, its thing. Uh, yeah. Where, in comparison, what does it cost to rent a tree from you? It, it's definitely more expensive. And, and I'd say we're about, probably about 20% more expensive than if you were to go into a corner tree lot. And, and of course, there's the additional delivery fee because whereas we have to pick up our tree at the end. Uh, and you can't just toss it out like the rest of the trash. So we provide the service to, to deliver and pick it up. But we find that most of our customers are, are happy to learn that someone's, you know, you have an elf that's willing to, uh, to come and pick up your tree for you at the end uh, as part of the service. And elves work at minimal wage? Uh, no, yes. We, we, what we do is one of our programs. So we, 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 we define the environment as both the nature part, the, the trees and the chirping birds, but also the environment is your community around you. Great. And one of our goals is to, we hire um, 75% of our workforce either comes from assisted living or veterans. And so really giving our elves a, a shot at having a job they might not have otherwise for the holiday season and certainly able to uh, celebrate with their family in a, in a different way. Wonderful. And you're saying 20% on average. So a, what, a five foot, what's the standard? Five foot, six foot tree? Yeah, on the low end of the five to six foot trees, anywhere between 90 and $120 um, to our, our larger trees that are eight to nine foot could be um, upwards about $200, $220. And so that means plus delivery, wherever they may live then uh, and being picked up and then put back into the nursery. For 20% more, you will need to deal with the tree for 11 months or the nursery, even if it's just parking it at the nursery and being watered but um, and, and giving it fertilization and looking after it. But still, it's a strange business model in that sense that for one month you sell a product and then kind of take care of it or need to take care of it for 11 months and you only charge 20% more. Does that work? Uh, yeah, it works. it works for us. And You know, it, it is the it is the nursery model. So you know, if you you would be otherwise growing a tree potentially for a year before you sell it, and so we do need to meet somewhat of what a wholesale cost of that tree would be, so that it makes sense that that land and that water and the energy to maintaining it is still made. But it more or less fits with the with a normal model of a of a nursery where they they do have to hold on to the tree for for the year in order to get that value out of it when they sell it. So um, in that way, it's still in line with that. Very cool. Uh, we're speaking with Scott Martin, also known as Scotty Claus, the founder of the Living Christmas Company. That's livingchristmas.com. In this hour of an organic conversation, Living Christmas Tree Rentals, carbon-friendly holidays. Uh, Scott, stay on the line with us. We have a couple more questions. Merry Christmas. Meanwhile, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. We'll 
And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. This show is brought to you by Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. And Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Award-winning wines at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. Our focus in this hour is living Christmas tree rentals, carbon-friendly holidays. And we're speaking with the founder of that very living Christmas tree rental company, the Living Christmas Company, Scott Martin. Scott, how did you conceive the idea? What, what was it in you? Do you consider yourself a businessman or an environmentalist? What is it? What's your driver in this? Yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a social entrepreneur um, would be a, a better fit. You know, in my other world, I, I do peace work and peacekeeping, and my belief is sort of in that social entrepreneurship and in, empowering through business, empowering the community through business is the most effective and sustainable way of, uh, of achieving lasting peace and prosperity. In your other work, meaning this is not your your full time job throughout the <laughs> no. year. <laughs> no, I'm um, I'm a landscape architect by trade, and I'm a, a mediator and a peace builder by passion. So when when we talk about the sustainability, what's your message in this? What are you trying to achieve? In in addition to, of course, you know, having less trees being thrown out and cut. But if people took something away from this, what what is it for you? What's the most amazing or important piece? Yeah, the, the argument I, I found more productive, especially with with the climate, you know, current climate being, is is to not argue necessarily over carbon footprint or, or which ways, you know, environmentally better. Because I find that argument you you can make on both sides, and and I try to go is what's your value, um, and what sort of value do you want to pass on to your kids, and do you value you know something that's living that continues on living throughout the year, or, or would you? You value something that you have to cut down and kill and throw away, um, and which which one feels more Christmassy to you? And then I also talk about value and just in terms of, of what I'm able to create and the employment and the environmental impact I'm able to create because we took something that used to be thrown away and gave it new life. Yeah, that's wonderful. If a tree ever dies, do you have to call the customer and tell them that the tree has? indeed at this point passed on or what is how is since you're dealing now with something living and something that people love and are attached to have you had that moment yeah and it and it's it is it goes both ways and i tell my customer service elves you know what the importance of what we're doing you have a symbol that people put a lot of meaning into and so the good and the bad news is people are very passionate about it um and so having to tell someone that you know you know, trees passed due to natural causes, but but also too that it's a tree and that's that's a natural thing. And you know, a lot of times we'll run into problems. That you can imagine this is not an easy system to run, and um, all of our business happens within two weeks uh, to execute. And I say that you know there are challenges with having living people delivering living things, and it creates a lot of variables. And one of the prerequisites we put on the website for ordering a tree is that we need patience and understanding in order to pull this off. And uh, and so 
having that message and, and being able to convey that with authenticity uh, works really well. Yeah, beautiful. And it is really the the message of overall sustainability, right? Employing veterans, the sense of community that you're touching on, environmental factors. Uh, there's the tradition maybe not to kill during Christmas. You're really touching on all those points. Did you know that when you started the company or or what have you learned since? Like what, what has surprised you in, in those eight years now at this point, wow, that yeah. you've been doing this? No, you're right. And, and it's definitely shifted towards the latter part. I think when I started it, it was a gut feeling of this feels better. Um, and it also, once you get that realization, it also feels ridiculous that it's been done the other way for so long. Yes. Um, but then the other stories of, you know, the guys coming to me and saying, hey, Scotty, you know, I really want to thank you for the job. And I said, oh, you're, you're welcome. And he said, no, I, I, I didn't really celebrate Christmas because I, you know, because of financial reasons or I wasn't just into it growing up because of my family situation and bringing these trees into these people's homes and seeing the way the kids light up and they'll hug their tree. In some cases, they've named their tree and the, the energy and the joy I'm able to bring into someone's house has really been the Christmas gift more so than the job and the financial aspect of it. But giving guys who, you know, a lot of society has given up on them, um, you know, and, and not seeing their value. And so to give them a job in which they have a value, but then they're bringing it. And, you know, in a chance of, of creating this hope and a joy that they didn't seem possible before. That's really what, what's kind of gotten me going um, in the recent years. Yeah, that's incredible. Do you let your customers know that your 75% of your employment employee base is uh, veterans? Yeah, so in, in not just veterans, but sort of assisted living. So that'll include sure, yeah. you know, people who have a hard guys, time you know. maybe finding a job. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes it's drugs or alcohol or you know something that they just need that extra little someone to believe in them. Um, and then you can imagine right, Scotty Claus writes a, a heck of a letter of a recommendation for you know whatever the next job is going to be. But it goes back to just sort of someone believing in them. I, I'd say we don't. I don't focus on a lot at this point. Of like I said, I've, I've gotten to a number of trees where it's manageable and. It fits with my the way I want to celebrate Christmas, and so we've sort of stopped that you know outreach portion. Some of it we will put on a blog, and every once in a while, someone with an extraordinary story will want to share with everybody. But um, but at this point, it's sort of you know we, you know uh, I, I'm I'm just enjoying doing what we're doing. It's just interesting that how much it has become really a community solution, right? I know there are newspapers uh, that are being put together in in a really sophisticated fashion by homeless people associations and by homeless people themselves and it seems like it's a it's a sweet idea and yet it's also in a way a, a critical idea it's an important idea because it addresses so many factors of what's what needs our attention from community to disenfranchised people to to the environment to global warming uh, it's an amazingly impactful I can't, actually I can't think of another project that that runs on all those cylinders. Were you aware of that, or has that just evolved the way it has evolved? It's it sort of evolved and, and, and has been one of the driving forces for me, for me to continue to do it, even in the years where we lost money. And, and it, it's one of those things that it's, I, I liken it to pole vaulting in that you got to run full speed and you increase your ability to hurt yourself and lose money as, as you do your success. And so there's been years where it's been tough, and I thought about you know, are we really going to do this again next year? And then I think about the impact we have, and then I think about the model and how important, like you said, the model is for 
for being able to bring this into different areas. Maybe it's not Christmas trees, but this idea that you can take an item that, you know, like I said, used to be thrown away or discarded and all the different hope you can create around it. Um, to me, that's inspiring and, and worth uh, and worth continuing. How could you make it work? How can you make it work as a thriving business without l losing your sanity every year? Because it is such a crunch time product, of course. Um, and then after that peak in, in January, of course, there's no market for Christmas trees. So how can yeah. you, have you ever thought of, you know, what's the magic number? Is it 2000 or what can you add in yeah, summer well, to? Well, I'll tell you is, in, and people are amazed to know, but I have um, someone from Mark Cuban's office who actually works with me every day. Um, looking at these numbers to kind of solve that that problem of we know we have the desire we have a product that people want we've got a good ratio for um, for cost to, to pricing uh, ratios we have those things and what's that special piece that you know because my concern has always been sort of the environment and the, and the social aspect quite frankly and so now Mark has dedicated one guy to me to just look at the business side of it to sort of just be you know certainly a cheerleader but but really take a cold look at the numbers and how do we make this run financially at the same time so i'm really blessed to have some mark that you know even how many years later from after making the investment continues to make the investment with his staff helping me on a, on a daily basis now and do we know like if people listen to this and you're saying you are basically sold out or you will be uh, every year how can people support you I would say, you know, sharing the message um, would be great. You know, so social media is awesome for that. And, you know, if it, if you're not getting a tree, but you're inspiring, to, inspired to do something similar, you know, that to me is great. Reaching out to us and being on the database for next year. And so if we, if we look and say, hey, we have this X number of requests, we keep everyone who requests a tree, we keep in a database and we plot them out every year to sort of to determine where we're going to do our deliveries and where it makes the most sense. So if we get an influx of, of requests from a, a certain area, we go, hey, you know what, we got a, you know, there's 500 people in this area that want a Christmas tree. How about we help a local nursery there? We, we'll supply them with the living trees. And how about we do a little operation out of there? Um, so that's something that we could look at for next year and say, wow, it looks like it's going to be popular in this area. And why don't we support a local nursery and, and have them do something with us? So still growing the business without yeah. you carrying it all, but but still that would be the key, expanding. right? Is having that empowering someone else to sort of carry the torch in that area. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask you: with that much, you know, negotiation skills and and mediation that you do throughout the year, and being just a really aware and awake human being and and citizen, what is your message for this Christmas? What should people look out for? Or remember, if you if you gave kind of a sustainability message. So I mean, I, again, I'd come back to value and, and what are our shared values um, that sort of transcend whether it's a Christian Christmas or you know however you choose to send the holidays. You know, looking across and what are, what is that shared value that we have and how does that manifest in our decision making and our purchasing power and how we relate with each other? If we could really look take a look at that and, and you know hearing this this radio uh, address sort of makes people think about that on a higher level i'd really feel successful beautiful and that is scott martin founder also scotty klaus founder living christmas company that's livingchristmas.com well i know this is insanely busy i hope you do stay sane and you get to celebrate with your loved ones but thank you 
from all of us for what you do, for your idea, and for how you have integrated an entire community and all its concerns and issues. It's a really beautiful model, and we hope we can help spread the word. That, again, is livingchristmas.com, the website. Uh, you have a Facebook page, too? Yeah, I think there's a, it's a Living Christmas Company. I'm not sure. You probably find it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, Living Christmas Company. Uh, if you are considering renting a Christmas tree in the L.A. area or in the North Bay of San Francisco, in the Marin area, Marin County, check out livingchristmas.com and go from there. Thank you so much for making the time, Scott. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Have Wonderful work. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And that is Scott Martin, who was on an organic conversation about five years ago with this radical idea, what if we made our Christmas tree part of the family and keep it alive, make it a living Christmas tree? What if we could use it for three to four weeks at the end of the year, decorate it, love it, and then return it to the forest or the nursery for the remaining or the next 11 months until Christmas comes around again? Beautiful story and the inclusion of veterans and people that are disenfranchised as a workforce for this peak moment of the year when it comes to Christmas trees, end of November and December. A very short season, but he has found a way to make it work at least somehow without losing his sanity in the process that Scott Martin, Scotty Claus, founder and jolly old soul of the Living Christmas Company who joined us today from Los Angeles, California. Beautiful story. Please consider getting a living Christmas tree and returning it to the nursery or the wild, whatever your circumstances are. Instead of cutting it, 30 million trees are being cut. Uh, that doesn't have to happen. And um, we will take a quick break, but be back with so much more yet to come here in this hour of an organic conversation on living Christmas tree rentals, carbon-friendly holidays, and community-friendly holidays. I'm Helge Helberg. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. And we're back here to an organic conversation, living Christmas tree rentals, carbon-friendly holidays, our main focus in this hour. We're staying with the topic of the Christmas time. When it comes to food, nobody's better equipped to tell us what's going on in the world of produce, organic fruits and vegetables in the December season. Here's the update from the produce doc. Here's Mr. Earl Herrick, Mr. Organic the founder and owner of Earl's Organic Produce. 
Here's What's in Season. And with us now is the voice of the San Francisco produce doc, Mr. Fruits and Vegetables, Earl <laughs> Herrick. Earl, are you there? Helga, I am here, Mr. Fruit and Vegetable himself. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, you're, it's so cool. Your, your knowledge of how long has have you been doing this, 30 plus years? Um, since um, it's going on to 40, yeah, wait, wait, to 40. Oh, 40 years. Silly. You and it's it's new every day, every week, oh. every every year, right? Nothing ever changes. Well, I mean, it, it, well, you you know, it, you know, it's kind of like the, the river, right? The river's always there; it's always flowing. That's right, and, and everything always, changes. It, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's it's, uh, it's an amazing thing, and I, and you know, I hire everybody <laughs> that that comes in here, and part of the conversation I have when I hire someone is, you know, I've been doing this close to forty years, and I'm still learning. And that is why this industry is, is so wonderful. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Cool. What's the Absolutely. item of the week? Because we're well, close to holidays and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, we're right here. And, and one of the wonderful things about the holidays that sometimes gets overlooked by some people are tropicals. And today, I'm, I'm having Rodrigo, uh, one of my fruit buyers who definitely knows more about this than I do. He's been doing this for a number of years. And he's going to be able to share with you his insight. So I'm going to turn this over to Rodrigo. Oh, all right. Cool. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll talk again next week. <laughs> all right. Later. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Rodrigo. How are you? <laughs> I'm really great. Thanks for making time in this busy time of the season for you guys. I mean, you it's a year-round business, but any time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I can imagine is really where the rubber hits the road. Isn't that true? It is absolutely true. We see an increase of, uh, uh, you know, um, likely for us, an increase in the consumption of uh, uh, fruits and vegetables yeah. as we approach the holidays. That is so great. I mean, if it could be, you know, maybe maybe all consumption goes up, but people can e only eat that much. And so to see a, a really drastic increase in fruits and vegetables, it's such a great notion, especially in this case, of course, organic. Um, Earl just mentioned you are the expert, of course, of tropicals, and even those are going up. And that's, uh, once again, a memory of my youth in Germany, the pineapple, maybe a mango. Those were Christmas items for us, even the, of course, oranges, which are not really tropical, but that whole world was introduced. What are you talking about today? Um, I'll be talking about uh, tropicals in particularly mangoes, pineapples, and papayas. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So where are we from a consumer angle in this season? What what to look out for? We had some really good pineapples, or I did, this summer, and then just two months ago, they they all looked kind of uh, a little outdated. You, you had a harder time finding a really good one. Let's start with pineapples. Where are we in the season, and what is important Ooh. to note? Um, the pineapples, you know, sometimes uh, they're grown, since they're grown in, in Costa Rica, what sometimes happens is that they will go through periods of time in uh, where the cloud cover doesn't open. And pineapples, they need the sun. So even though it's, uh, it's in the tropics, uh, and you will imagine that they have an abundance of sun, uh, they have 
sun, but they also there's a lot of uh, rain, uh, and there's a lot of humidity, and many times it's overcast. Mm. So when they go through a period of uh, weeks without a fair amount of sun, although they get they still they get the water and the high temperatures, uh, you can see that they don't produce sugar at the same rate that that you would expect. Wow, great. Okay, good to know. And uh, how? Where are we in this season? Is that a year-round supply, or does it, it, it peak? Is. Yeah, it, it is a year-round supply. To give you a, a little bit of information on the pineapples, it takes around two years, so six months. So let's say about thirty months from the time they're planted until the, the fruit is harvested in a in, in a pineapple plant. So they need to be the the, the farmers need to work. And, uh, and and really schedule the, the planting uh, so they have a steady supply. Being the tropics, they had the advantage of the seasons not being as pronounced as, you know, uh, sure. away from the tropics in, in yes. more template areas. But even though they can plant and schedule the planting so they have uh, a steady supply, and even though they are, you know, in the tropics, that doesn't have this very... Uh, big differences in seasonability, we see a few peaks during the year. And uh, one of these peaks happens between November and December. And then the second peak usually happens in April. So right now you're saying it's a really good time to get really good pineapple. It is, is, although it might be affected by some rains. And and the weather is so changed, uh, you know, because the increased temperature that we're seeing in, in, in the earth, uh, there's more humidity and there's more clouds. I mean, the more heat, more water gets evaporated, and there's, a, there's, there's more, more clouds in, in, in many regions of the world. Gotcha, so yes. Maybe we're, this is going to be the new norm. We don't know, like so many things yes. uh, that we don't know. Now, uh, the, the pineapple that we eat, you know, is the MB2. Uh, it, it's been for a while now, uh, everything started in, in 1975. That was when the MD2 made it made its debut. And one of the things that uh, MD2 has is that it's very sweet and travels very well. So we're enjoying, uh, you know, some. Uh, it was close to a, uh, a decade of research that uh, was done to uh-huh. come to this variety. So when, when somebody wants to pick one up and pineapples are not the cheapest produce piece of produce and you can't just pop a cherry or a grape and you know it's great with a pineapple, if, if you cut into it, basically you can't sell it anymore as a produce manager. Can you give us a quick tip before we move on to mangoes and papayas of how yeah. to pick a perfect pineapple? Absolutely. So the first thing, don't look at the color of the pineapple. In uh, organic agriculture, you know, the organic production, the pineapples can be ripe and still look green on the outside. So that is not an indication of the ripening. Great. Uh, second, pineapples will not ripen after being harvested. It's, uh, it's like grapes, you know. Once you, you harvest them, that's it. They don't get any, mm-hmm. any sweeter. So for me, one of the best indicators is make sure that doesn't have any mold, no crown mold, because you want something that is fresh. And regarding the sweetest pineapple, something that is heavier for its weight. So I will recommend that you weigh, you know, with your hand, weigh a few pineapples and pick the one that is the heaviest. That will be the sweetest one because the sugars are heavier than water. 
So if it has give or so, that's not really an indicator? It is not. It's not an indicator at all. Great. Okay. It's a, a myth. Cool. Good to know. Thank you. And um, mangoes and papayas, we only have a couple minutes left. Okay. Can you can you cover both somehow? Yes. Of what consumer, How can consumers pick the best mango and the best papaya? Okay. So on the mango, uh, one of the, the, the good things is that we're seeing uh, varieties that are different than the Tommy Atkins probably seen um, Kent and, and Atolfos. Now, on the Kent mango, uh, primarily from, from Ecuador, uh, the best way to choose and pick a, a sweet mango in, is, and the best indicator of ripeness is, uh, is on the pressure. Kent don't change color. They don't turn red when they're ripe. They remain green. The skin remains green, but the real pressure is inside. In um, a, a Kent mango, they have some give, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be very sweet and ripe. Great. And how about papayas? For papayas, um, we are seeing, just like we're seeing that the weather patterns are changing lately, we're seeing less and less production coming out of uh, out of Hawaii. Uh, but we, I would say the last few years, in, uh, in the last year in organic production in particular, we're seeing um, the hybrid varieties coming out of Mexico that are not a marital uh, but it's, it's something in between, uh, like the, the, the smaller papaya that we get from Hawaii and the Maradol. It's uh, a very sweet. It's called the Formosa papaya, and, uh, and it's exceptionally sweet for its size. So uh, one of the things I like in the papaya, especially in this one, look for the smaller one. They tend to be sweeter. Uh, the sugars are concentrated oh, really? in smaller papayas. Wow. And and from the outside, how would somebody, if you hold two smaller ones in your hand, which one would you choose? How do you know? Is it the outside color or? Yes, they do change color. So there's a range that is, a, um, that is the perfect range of ripeness. You want them to be turning yellow-orange, but not to the point where they're moldy. So look for um, uh, uh, orange, green turning to orange. And that's an indication of the ripeness in uh, in in these papayas. That I, if you haven't had one, you should absolutely try uh, one of these new hybrid varieties. So great, Rodrigo, you're the man. That's Rodrigo Velasquez, the buyer, produce buyer, and in this case, expert on tropicals, who is telling us the world of pineapples, mangoes, and papayas as they are all amazing for this holiday season. Thank you so much, Rodrigo, for making the time. Such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. So great. We have it back soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Take care. Bye. And that was an hour on the upcoming holiday season. I guess this is the season, but the upcoming holidays in regard to food and in regard to Christmas trees. An organic conversation on living Christmas tree rentals, carbon-friendly holidays, and, of course, what to consider for your Christmas meals. We are in the end stretch of the year. We wish you some calm, beautiful days, and we'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Helge Helberg. We'll speak with you then. Take good care. Bye.
An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate Producer, Kristen Ponger. The show is made possible through the fantastic support of our underwriters, Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or the culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. Thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. And Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family owned and operated. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Award-winning wines at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. And Batiste Rum, the first eco-positive rum of the Caribbean. Ask for Batiste Rum at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and other fine retailers. More information at batisterum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. For more episodes and our podcasts, Go to anorganicconversation.com and of course you can follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. Our Twitter handle is talkorganic and we're also on Instagram. I'm Helge Helberg, host and executive producer of An Organic Conversation. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>